0: please dive in hey folks welcome back to the uncivilized podcast this is traver bohm your host and today i have my buddy darren silver on i met darren when he was running a sweat lodge at sacred sons and we become friends and shared stories and he talks some amazing wisdom or share some amazing wisdom from his life running vision quests taking people out in nature, and talking about divination. This is a wild conversation, and Darren hits me right in the chest at about the 40-minute mark when he talks about the underlying pain in men. You do not want to miss that. Whether you're a man, a woman, anywhere identifying in between, this conversation is going to root you, ground you, and give you possibility around what is necessary now more than ever for our culture and our people and and all of us to heal and move forward in this country ladies and gentlemen hang on for this one darren silver darren silver you i had just asked you i'm gonna i'm gonna ask you in a second who you are and what you do in the world but first i had just asked you what does you you said to me that divination is really important to you can you share a little bit for people listening of what that means to you and why it's so important
1: yeah, the the form of divination that I do is inspired from and comes from the West African tradition, specifically in Burkina Faso and mm. the Dagara people. Um, what I love about that practice is that it's, it's tangible, it's earth-based, it's elemental-based, mm. and it guides people to their gift, their genius, towards what stands in the way. And to to take a deeper sense of responsibility, there is often a ritual prescription that comes for people at the Mm -hmm. end of the divination. Mm -hmm. And so inherent in it is integration and responsibility. Real, Real quick, for people who've never heard the word divination, what does that mean to you? Yeah, it's consulting other worlds, if you will, on behalf of questions that one may hold. Beautiful. In this context, it's the ancestral realm. It's the elemental realm: mm. mineral, water, fire, earth, mm. nature, etc. Yeah, um, you know, in my time of of being in Boulder and being in circles where there are psychics or intuitives, this is certainly not always the case. But I've experienced it a lot where one comes and they just want an answer. They're just, mm. they just want to told it's going to be okay. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't always carry the responsibility, mm. um, to go deeper into the realm of the soul. Ooh, say more about that. Yeah. Um, to me, the, the soul is, is the relational realm, like here on this plane, it includes the wild. It includes our people. Um, And that's why we're here, is to grow our soul. It also includes the very thing that we came here to do, Mm. Um, our genius, our gift. Right, right. Um, And so the divination process deepens one into that, into the gift and genius and our responsibilities to all these relationships that we have. Beautiful. Oftentimes, there can be like this transcendent, angelic... um, Uh, Way of psychic reading that doesn't really root in responsibility Mm. here yeah yeah would you say
0: that there's a a lack of responsibility in in ceremonial practice right now or in in the after effect of ceremonial practice like Um, people get the answer and then like i wait that's not free is it a bit of that of like people are asking for the answers without willing to do the work, or of not willing to actually integrate the answer and say, "Hey, if you really get this answer, it's going to change the rest of your life." Yeah, it's going to change how you have to act day to day.
1: Do you see that as like a missing element here? Um, in in old rituals, or if ritual done well, the answers that come um, inherently bring one to a deep sense of responsibility. Mm-hmm. When it's real, it's like ah. Oh, Fuck!
0: (laughs) Damn it! I I know. I tell all new coaching clients, like, here's what you really want. You want your life to change simply by paying me and not having to do any of the work that I'm going to make you do. Like on some level, that's what you want, and I know this because I've hired coaches and given them a check and been like, "Okay, where's the change? Like, where's all this stuff that all the great stuff that's supposed to happen?" They're like, "Now we begin." Yeah. Beautiful. So let's let's pull it back to the beginning, Darren. Please tell yeah. us and, and the audience a little bit. I, I know it's an American question about like, who are you and what do you do? But can you drop your, your elevator pitch for us here and just give guys a quick, like the quick and dirty on who Darren Silver is and, and what you do in the world? Yeah.
1: Well, you know, where it really all began, the, the path that I walked today um, began When I was 12 or 13 years old and I went to a summer camp that my brothers went to when they were kids, my dad went to when he was a kid and there was a siesta hour Mm. and a counselor wasn't even my counselor. I I can't recall how it got arranged, but during siesta, he took me out into the woods Mm. and started to show me different skills, fire by friction, basket Mm. making, edible plants, a little bit of tracking, Mm -hmm. some awareness. And at the end he said, Hey, if you want to learn more. I learned from a man named Tom Brown Jr. Yeah, I remember those books. I read those in college. Such yeah. good books. Yeah. Yeah. And um, when I, so I got his books and, you know, I was, I was 12, 13. I didn't necessarily have a community mm-hmm. or anyone around to support this passion right. that I always had to, to the wild. So when I was 20, I finally studied with Tom. And oh, wow. that's what really changed my life. And I continued to study with, with him. Wow. And so that's seventeen years ago now.
0: Wow! At, tell tell the, me a little bit about that initial
1: experience.
0: Like, did you show up on his doorstep? Was there an open program? Like, paint this. Yeah. For so he, he has. A I had that same fantasy. It was yeah. like, oh my god, I got to go meet this guy, but I, I never did.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, Tom is um, Tom is one of the most incredible humans I've I've ever met, and he uh, it, so he has a school called the Tracker School out in New Jersey. Um, it's mostly in the Pine Barrens, uh, where, where his teacher, grandfather, Stalking Wolf taught him. And I mean, it, it, it was the first time I felt a sense of like, whoa, these are my people. Mm. These are my people. I belong here. Mm -hmm. And, um, at the end of the course, after rigorous training and physical skills and awareness, um, he asked a couple of questions and he was like, what is your vision? Mm. And and are you willing to give up your dreams to follow your vision? Ooh, that's an interesting question. And I, and I, I thought about that a lot. And I think yeah. the way that I differentiate them is a dream is only self serving. Mm. Whereas when we step into vision, um, it becomes for for our people. It comes for yeah. the earth, right? You know. Right, right. And so, I mean, I I felt like he was looking at me. He was looking at the whole class, but it penetrated me deeply. And he did a Mm -hmm. sweat lodge at the end. And at the time, I was a college student, and um, I was certainly seeking. Mm -hmm. And um, the sweat lodge was like, this is it. I got to find it. I came back to Colorado and um, found a lodge community and and really began Mm -hmm. uh, the path that I'm on today. What was it about that? That So that was your first sweat lodge.
0: And just to yeah. give people some context, this is how I met Darren standing yeah. outside of a sweat lodge. Yeah. at Sacred Sons. You put a sweat lodge on for all the facilitators before we opened, and it was a beautiful, beautiful ceremony. Mm. What was it about that first one that grabbed you or moved you or inspired you so much?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Um It was a collective experience of of spirit. It was a collective experience of the holy, and when people's prayers cry, you know, sung upwards Mm -hmm. or outward, Mm -hmm. um, it was there was inherent connective tissue Mm. and humanity and empathy. Right um, And relationality in that. It, it wasn't an individual quiet experience. It right. was um, it was a, a collective hmm. uh, desire.: Yeah, for, for life, a longing, a, a, a true prayer. Yeah, um, and see, just feeling the
0: difference of the power between, like, quietly, you know. And I'm not picking on standard religion, but like quietly getting on your knees, closing your eyes, and saying a prayer, which has power. And sitting, yeah. I've been in a number of sweat lodges of sitting in a room. It's uncomfortable. It's hot. It's sweaty. You're shoulder to shoulder, and people are literally crying out, both prayers of ask and and prayers of reverence and gratitude and totally. and et cetera. And it's so much more powerful to feel like to, that word to feel the guy next to you wailing or crying in in, in reverence. So I yeah, I get that. Yeah. Beautiful. So you felt that and went, Okay, I just got all lit up. I need to go find more of this. Is that correct? Pretty much. Yeah. And came back came back to you were in Colorado. Yeah. Okay, and so was there a, a was there a group was there a process was there a training? How did you go from holy shit that was amazing to now leading these I imagine all over the world I know all over the country
1: yeah um, so there was like a extracurricular uh, class in 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 school that was like shamanic journeying mm. and um, I had taken that class prior to. To the tracker school and you know it was powerful i was a little too uh dense if you will to make the journeys um i pretty much nearly fell asleep mm-hmm. but anyways was the tracker school and it happened and the woman that ran it uh such a sweet woman she's a kindergarten teacher um, and just like kind of classic, you know, uh, kindergartner, kindergarten teacher, but also like a shaman on the side. <laughs> it was really great. And I bumped into her and I said, Hey, mm. you know, um, do you know anyone running sweat lodges around here? Mm. It was a couple months after I came back. And she said, Yeah, the guy who runs the tattoo shop. Okay. And so then I wandered in the t- tattoo shop and said, Hey, you know, I, I study with Tom and, um, did a lodge and I'd really love to come sometime. And, and, uh, they were doing lodges every week. And so in the beginning, it was like once a month. And at that time, I mean, I was smoking a ton of weed, Um, (laughs) you know? And so, you know, it took time. It took time for me to really get into it and be welcomed back. Yeah. I mean, I didn't speak for six months in there and I just, I just absorbed it. And, um, you know a a part of me inside was was really afraid of that level of connection Mm. yet it was the very thing that i wanted right and so you know after a few years after some deep healing and you know certainly stopping getting stoned Mm. um i eventually went on vision quest and did that for years and then eventually eventually stepped into sundance and started Mm. sundancing and um, a lot of parallel things were happening. I was continuing studying with Tom. I stepped right. into the field guide for wilderness therapy, and it okay. kind of, yeah,
0: yeah. Gotcha, 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 gotcha. for people who hear the word vision quest and their minds kind of go to the fantastical. Can you share a little bit about one, what is a vision quest for people who just never heard the term? And then two, how was it valuable for you as a person? And if you would even shift that question down to how is it valuable for you as a man? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, um, there's many different types of vision quests and the ones that I primarily did and do for myself came from a specific tradition okay um lakota tradition um and so there's a lot of intricacies uh because that that's it's really stepping into a cultural paradigm Mm. say Um, say more about that if you would yeah how about i i'll circle back and get back to what i mean about the cultural piece sure so um Basically, the heart of a vision quest is several days, typically four days, sometimes two days or three days, um, out solo uh, in wilderness fasting. Mm. And um, the way that I guide them does not come from a specific tradition. Um, It is more of the modern day quest that one includes water, (laughs) uh, which is the quest that I personally have done don't okay um includes water the the cultural components are out of it Hmm. um are are stripped away and it's really about going out into the wilderness and returning to belonging to yourself again Hmm. and belonging again to this planet right uh, to the earth and to one's one's own vision Mm. one's own guidance Mm -hmm. there's so many intricacies about what happens for four people out on a vision quest and i remember the first time i went up i was like okay i'm gonna see 40 you know white buffalo in the other world with you know (laughs) naked maidens riding on them and at the tail end (laughs) is gonna be an old native is gonna tell me why i'm here this is gonna be the best yeah Yeah. (laughs) certainly not what happened you know (laughs) and uh it was the small things it was mm. the small things that came through. Um, it was it was small steps towards my own my own becoming. Mm-hmm.
0: My own becoming. Do you mind giving an example of one of those small things?
1: Um, yeah, I'll give I'll give a real small example on that first vision quest. Um, it was underneath an old wily juniper tree. And every morning at, at first light, sunrise time, a bluebird would come mm-hmm. and go right on the... I mean, I open my eyes and it would be just two feet above me and it'd be looking down at me and it would sing me awake. Oh, wow. And I'd watch that bluebird all day. Mm-hmm. and he, that, that one became my companion. Right. And one of the simple things that I got from that was wake up and behold the sunrise
0: mm.
1: every day. I can tell you that is not always easy, right? But doing that, and for sunset, right, it is a path towards awakening that is so simple and so profound. Right, to behold the day mm. when, when the eyelid of the world opens. Mm. A- am I? Am I opening mine as well? Right. Wow and that's that's huge that that's a simple practice you're right you know that i did this morning
0: right right right
1: you know went outside and with my cup of coffee and beheld the sunrise and laid out some prayers Mm.
0: even just the word beheld yeah right there's there's a it's relational then it's not just took a picture for instagram sun sunrise was nifty Where it was there's a just a different there's a richness to the world word beheld there's a Mm -hmm. divinity for lack of a better term or a reverence that god that's amazing yeah the Mm -hmm. sun rose again how amazing right how Mm -hmm. how simple i imagine people will hear this and be like yeah and what then what do i do like do i do a cold shower do i do 50 push-ups do i meditate for an hour do i write 72 things in my gratitude journal do i like what mantra do i repeat what incense should i burn like Just watch the sunrise. Yeah. Just watch the sunset. I remember I did a a 28-day field course with BOSS, with Boulder Outdoor Survival School. And on the very first night, they walked us out. It was probably 10 o'clock at night and said, lay down. This is what we want you to do for the next hour. We just want you to look at the stars because we're not going to give you anything new. We're going to return you back to a state with, within which you've existed and humans have existed since the beginning of time up until about 100 years ago. Mm-hmm. So, and that I remember that was one of the more profound things. And it was in the first 15 minutes of the course. It yeah. was, oh shit. We're not supposed to live on top of each other in cities, waking up to a phone, scrolling through pictures of stuff, arguing with people we've never met on this mm-hmm. in this fake world. Holy fuck, we're supposed to be out there. Darren, do you when you work with people, how much of it revolves around nature? I know you said that you were a wilderness therapist or therapy guide, but today, mm-hmm. how much of it revolves around nature? And if you could postulate, how much of our challenges that we have as a culture and as a, even a country or a world stem from our lack of connection to nature, in your opinion?
1: Yeah. Well, I, I like to say that all my work is is devoted to connecting people mm. to nature, whether it's through guiding vision quests, whether it's through divinations, whether it's working with people one-on-one. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's the consciousness of the earth. Mm. It's guiding people to the to the consciousness of the earth and and naming and articulating what has encased one from experiencing their own sense of indigenosity, their own sense of I can belong here. Right, and uh, there is so much that's so many obstacles that stand in our way to having the ability to deeply commune with the natural world. Mm. And that's the thing with going out and and being beheld is that the indigenous soul in some way is, is a high context uh, desiring part of ourselves. Mm. Meaning that when we are in nature and we are being reflected back and in dialogue with a vast ecology of life forms, Mm then we are allowing all those parts of ourselves that are just as diverse Mm. to have a place as well. Wow.
0: I think that can be chewed on for a long time or meditated on for a long time.
1: Yeah. That's profound. And what makes, for me, in my world, what makes one a human is understanding the space between myself and all things. And that's, to me, where the wisdom comes from. To right. me, like if you put me in a tower in New York City, I, I'm, it, it is very, very, very challenging. Mm-hmm. I feel cut from everything I know mm. because it's living and flowering and deeply being sung back to me right. as I'm singing to the wild. Mm. And so it's a, it's a very high context way of existing, mm. whereas typically in the Western world, it's very low context very low context interacting with very little it's not field dependent say more about that it's um a lot of like so the soul for me and the indigenous soul is field dependent meaning you have to be out there or have a deep relationship that is ingrained in one gotcha gotcha yeah And that's where knowledge, that's where wisdom, that's where awareness, that's where choice comes in, that's where true sovereignty Mm. comes. And when it's when knowledge and our way and our lives are not dependent upon the field, then we have an extreme sense of isolation and aloneness. Mm. And it all comes down to our own, we're we're marooned to our own neurosis. Ooh. That's a sentence, yeah. Yeah, and, and I, I think you. you know how it impacts men mm. is again. These are these are things I've been tinkering with and thinking and and, and making sense of my experiences mm. over the years of questing sure. and sun dancing and guiding. Um, is the masculine is actually really deeply informed by culture?
0: Ooh, say more about that.
1: And 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 the feminine in a way is informed by nature. Okay. And so it brings me to the question: well, well, what is culture? Yeah. And the simplest way that I can frame culture is that it's the song of place being told back to itself. So if we look at indigenous cultures, the cradles told the story of that place that the babies literally were born into. Hmm. The reason why there was certain designs on moccasins and bead designs and the stories that they told and the language that was spoken was all a reflection of the place. Mm. That was the cultural piece. And it was really the the education and the rigor required of the masculine was to learn that
0: Mm.
1: so that one could be in relationship to place. Mm. Whereas the feminine is naturally sourced in the complexity Mm. and the power to bring life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, where the masculine needs a framework of which brings them back into connection. And so I don't believe we live in a culture. We live in an industrial society. Yeah, that doesn't actually sing the song of place back to itself. And I and I deeply believe that is one of the deepest griefs that men hold.
0: Ooh.
1: And and that is unconsciously playing out, is like everything I do for my work is destroying the very thing that for thousands of years was my deepest responsibility to protect. It. And it's unconscious, it's unconscious. Right. I, I think the inability for us to protect what we love is the deepest grief. Wow. And it's, it's being stripped from us.
0: I'm taking a note of that The inability to protect what we love. Now, I'm in a, um, a pretty unique men's group of guys who have done a significant amount of work and have influence and have platforms. And one of the questions we were playing with last night was how do we as men create safety in this world and Mm -hmm. not in some grandiose like how do we solve the country's problems you know us eight elite guys Mm -hmm. it's how do we speak to men in a way that inspires them to create safety within themselves so that then the people the woman or man or child next to them feel safe because they actually are safe it feels like what one of the pieces of that that we didn't discuss last night is just that, the inability to protect all that we love mm. or anything that we love because we feel so powerless to even protect ourselves from what you just said, a lack of connection to a past tradition, nature, the woods, the birds singing, all of it. Yeah. You're right. And, and I can see that as the ripple that we just actually never get to. Mm -hmm. we're still stuck above of like who said what and what team were they on and how did they vote and what do they look like and who did wait a minute who did we've never dropped down to that absolute depth so thank you for that that is fucking profound
1: yeah you know there's a there's a small story that jumps into my mind of an anthropologist that was somewhere in south southeast asia papua new guinea maybe somewhere around there and he uh, was spending months with these people and particularly the men and every day the men would go out or every other day they'd go out and they'd go hunting and they'd come back and they would distribute the meat hmm. and sometimes they they'd come home and not have any for themselves mm-hmm. And finally, one day, you know, the anthropologist asks this, this really great hunter, like, hey, I, I'm curious, why, why don't you store the, store the food, store the meat, dry the meat, keep it for yourself.
0: Mm.
1: And this warrior, you know, kind of laughs and says, oh, I, I do store the meat. I just store it in my brother's belly. Mm. And, and that's a simple place where we can start. Right. Is, is trusting one another that, that, <clears throat> that, that there's enough right there's enough here yeah and um you know when we start feeding each other's bellies in that way then community can really be built and then we're not so alone right you know to put food in each other's bellies
0: yeah Hey, folks, hope you're loving this conversation with Darren. I absolutely was over the moon by it. For those of you who are new to this this podcast or new to me, I want to share with you about the Uncivilized Nation. This is my private men's group. This is a membership group. We have about 180 guys. Who are going through the process of rewilding themselves, of undomesticating themselves, of creating a relationship between their head, their heart, and their balls. Guys who are absolutely out in the world fucking shit up and doing it together and doing it in a holistic way. If you're interested in joining this group, please go to www.manuncivilized.com forward slash the nation and come on board. All right, back to Darren. It feels like a lot of what the challenges of today is just a rampant, overrun scarcity mentality. Yeah. And it's playing out in all of these weird ways of needing to store and hold and collect and have so much extra and then protect that, whether that's food, resources, or even our own self-esteem,
1: mm-hmm. as
0: opposed mm-hmm. to saying, you are my brother. What is What is mine will be yours if you're in need? We we feel, I feel, especially in the U.S., we're so disconnected from community and now more than ever where we're so divisive of, I, I'm not going to give to my neighbor because they have a different political sign in their yard than I do, right. as opposed to, they're my neighbor.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I, I remember moving into this house, Darren, and this is a couple months ago, and I, there's an 80-year-old guy next to me and he came down and immediately was like, hi, I'm so-and-so. They're going to vote Democrat. They're going to vote Democrat. I'm going to vote Democrat. And he just stared at me. And I was like, I'm Traver. Nice to meet you. I'm not playing this fucking game. Like, I, I don't really care who you vote for. If you need something, call me. If you're in trouble, I'm going to come running. If, like, yeah. This is how I do community. But it, it feels like that that disconnection and lack of the the overriding sense of aloneness and isolation and disconnection is driving the behavior that we're, and we're so focused on the behavior as opposed to what you just said, which is the connection. So yeah. how, how do you, when you work with men, if you could just give, or people, period, not men, what is your process? Is it taking guys out on the land? Is it walking them around? Is it, it feels like if you took someone, plucked them out of that sky rise in New York City and said, hey, here's a vision quest for three days, you're going to be out here alone that at like the seven minute mark, they would tap out and be like, bro, like, I I need my phone. (laughs) I need some processed food. Uh, (laughs) I need my Netflix. And and I need drama. So what do you got for me? How do you work with people to to kind of bridge that gap?
1: Yeah. Well, once people have a little bit of skill Mm. in connecting with nature, just, just a little bit, there is incredible rapture there. Mm. there's so much rapture and i I mean the last quest i guided i think it was maybe early october down in new mexico and i got this uh a couple months prior i got the uh this carbonator thing you know something like carbonate water yeah and i like i'm so into it like carbonate (laughs) and put a little lime in it with oh my god, I was so into it. And the first few days on the quest, I'm like, man, I should have brought that thing. I totally should have brought it. it was like, you know, we all have those things, you know? And uh, and then after a few days, it it I like totally forgot about it. Yeah, you know, and it's that way with everyone, like the first few days it's 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 that detox process, and, and um right. once a little bit of skill comes, then the the rapture. The rapture mm-hmm. returns, and it becomes so enthralling. Yeah, and so just just bringing a little bit of skill, and and that's in the vision quest. That's the first few days what are really devoted to, of attuning to the world we're in and letting go of the world which, you know, everybody came from.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then with uh, and then there's the threshold experience of the days out there. Um, where people are solo and then the return is like, Hey, here's some skills to return with here's um, here's some frameworks for you to work with some indicators that can help you keep alive your vision. Mm. And that can be barometers for when your, your state of being, whether it's emotional, intellectual, spiritual, are beginning to go back into you know, your old patterns. And so it's, it's really empowering in that way. So a lot of frameworks are are given as well, but I trust man. I so deeply trust that, that, that the earth speaks to everybody. Right. I So deeply trust that. Yeah.
0: Can you talk a little bit about how you reorient people from such a I'm using the word radical, not in a negative sense, but a radical experience of not being connected to the collective media, social media, electronics, technology, etc. How they do how how do you guide people into coming back and and not just jumping back right into the other side or where they came from? Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, yeah. It makes sense. Um, well, it's it's a lot, you know, it's it's a couple days of of, you know, the biggest thing is people telling their stories, being heard, mm. being valued. Um, I'm sure you've read Iron John, mm-hmm. and, and there's that section where he comes back and 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 there's apples being thrown for him. Right. It's like how often do we make return, mm. make a return from these experiences? And there's not apple, There's there's not anyone there to greet us. No. And, and that's a big part of the two days is, is like really magnifying and enhancing and validating what they already know. Right. Saying that that's real. Right. And you can see because there's a group of brothers or brothers and sisters right. um, that are so deeply moved. Yeah. By what you just shared and what you gained and are standing there saying yes.
0: Mm.
1: Yes. So it, it, it's anchored. It's anchored in that way. Um, just speaking very, very simply in a way that yeah. with the time that we have that people For can sure. relate to relate to that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, some... I mean, there's... theres I had an MD on a quest in, in August. And, I mean, that man was moving a thousand miles an hour. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's moving so fast coming in. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and his whole big thing... I mean, he, the biggest thing he came down was... His integration process and what came to him when he was out there was so beautiful. He lives in New York City, actually. Um, but his, a big part of his quest was like, I just need to slow down. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's huge. But right. part of his integration practice was, hey, there was these three little pine trees. I mean, little. Right. Two inches, three inches tall. That, that reminded me of my children. The whole time I was out there, they were my children and my wife. Wow. And, you, and, and when he came down, he he asked kind of if it was okay. And I thought it was beautiful. Um, this is in Vermont. He dug up the pine trees um, and, you know, put soil and put them in little bags. Mm. And a huge part of his integration was, I'm taking my family to Central Park and we're going to plant these trees. Wow. And we're going to tend them. Wow. And we're going to go there frequently. And I'm going to go there and spend time. Mm-hmm. And he did it. Wow. He did it. Here's an MD man, actually, an oncologist. You know, and every, you know, not every day, but very frequently, he's going going to a place with the very, you know, seeds of his vision quest and tending it. So people come down with these very creative ideas. Yeah. 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 Francis Weller says about Uh
0: initiation that the last step of initiation has to be. Welcome back to the tribe by an initiated group. Yeah. It feels like that's so much of the challenge, too, is that a man may go out into the woods on his own and have this extraordinary experience and then come back and there's no one to say, I see you, I hear you, I welcome you back, brother. I, I get it. I've been there. Mm-hmm. And so he's then wandering around lost with this incomplete experience. And I'm, I can say men and women together on this. Yeah. I imagine the final circles of yeah, what what you just went through is actually valid. Yeah, so now you've gotten that solidified. Now you get to go back and and deal with your phone. Now you need to get to go back and deal with paying bills and insurance and commercials and and the collective. So yeah, how incredibly powerful
1: mm-hmm.
0: darren, what what are you and what's got you inspired right now? What are you looking forward to this year and the next year? it It feels like, we just had a really hard year and a lot of people are kind of hands in the air like, yay, we're done. And it doesn't feel like the work, you know, maybe like a couple more weeks full of work that we have to do or longer. What's got, what are you hopeful for? And actually, let me ask you two questions. What are you hopeful for and what was your biggest unintended consequence of the last year?
1: Hmm. Yeah. You know, we spoke a little bit before, Before this, I mean, the past year was a real ringer for me. Mm -hmm. And just to say a little bit, partner in crime, her son was diagnosed with with aml with leukemia. And we were, you know, six and a half months of eight months of treatment, we were living in the hospital. And literally, when treatment finished, it was uh, March 20th, something like that. The COVID pandemic and lockdown began.
0: Yeah, you're a weekend.
1: Yep. So, like, you know, so much of the past year and some change um, have been a deep, a deep process mm. for me. Mm-hmm. And coming out of the hospital chapter um, and into COVID, I have found there's more people than ever that are being reminded of what, what you asked me, what's really bringing them to life. Right. And I've had more people wanting to connect mm. with the natural world and connect yeah. with themselves and, and what really matters to them. Right. I feel so much enthusiasm and inspiration and passion because of where people are and what people are seeking, mm. and that inspires me ever more fully to try to crack this code of what's standing in the way mm. of people discovering their own sense of indigenosity, mm. which to me is, is kind of our, oh, it's just our returning home. Yeah, It's like, can, can we all come home yeah. um, to, to where we are? Right. And I remember the beginning of the pandemic, everyone was so lit up about community gardens and doing, yeah, yeah. And doing that. And, um, you know, it's like I, I've, I've stayed on the track for the past 17 years about. Yeah. And it's long before I just kind of received some support in that. Sure. And now more than ever, I'm, I'm so deeply inspired. I'm yeah. so deeply inspired. And in particular with men. Mm-hmm. in particular with men um i think women have done a lot of work of empowerment for sure and 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 we got some some good work to do <laughs> yes we do we got some good work to do and you know it's funny like you know my partner she i have a men's group and she's like what do you guys do i'm like oh you know we 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 go deep but man we laugh a lot yeah you know we get wild and and there's a lot of tears and there's a lot of wildness and there's a lot of joy and and it's funny like when she hangs out with her women it's like deep and sincere and mm. you know almost almost somber sometimes mm. i mean that's not it's reverent it's so reverent you sure, know sure sure and i'm like gosh you know like us guys like like we just need to unbuckle right you know we right. need to hop on the horse and say let's ride right doesn't matter we just need to do it together
0: we need to do it together yeah
1: and um
0: I agree
1: with you. so i mean i'm I'm being a little playful sure but, but but there's an invitation behind it sure sure of, of um you know let's let's uh let's take this seriously uh but not so seriously that we lose the essence of it exactly and that the yep. core of it
0: You know, I I had a group come together, this is four or five months ago, so right in the pandemic, I said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to sit around a picnic table in a park. And if you want to be distanced, you can be distanced. If you don't, you don't. And it was the first time this group had gotten together. It was um, various guys in Colorado. And for the first half hour, it was like dick jokes and what kind of car do you want to drive? And then it got into, let's talk about pain. Let's talk about how you're hurting this year. Let's talk about the relationships that have ended because of the pandemic and what you're doing and and the real stuff. And we walked away. I told guys, this is men's work. It's not just the, okay, everybody throw their deepest trauma out on the table and and cry and punch the pillow. It's what happens in the circle when we consciously decide just to commune. Yeah. And, and if you need to laugh at a dick joke because you haven't laughed in two months, you just healed. And exactly. if you need to share that your wife just left and you don't know if you're going to make it through the next week, you just healed because you shared. Yeah, so I, I appreciate both aspects of it. And I, I imagine there's a little more fuckery going on in men's groups than perhaps women's groups. And we need this now more than ever. So I, I appreciate your stance on it. And the fact that even you're you're a part of one. Yeah, Aaron, For for people, I appreciate your time. This is I'm going to go back and re-listen because I know I wrote down um, the the pain of not being able to protect what we love. I think that is a, I, mean, you, I hope you're going to write a book on that, man. If not, you're going to see in like three years the deepest pain in men not being able <laughs> by Traver Bone. So <laughs> start typing. But uh, <laughs> yeah, there, there's a couple books uh, coming. <laughs> the line I this, imagine so. there's a couple swimming around in there. Yeah, for people yeah. who want more access to you, access to your work, vision quests, sweat lodges, where do you hang out? Where where can people find you?
1: Yeah. There is, um, of course, a website. It's darrensilver.earth. Um, okay. D-A-R-R-E-N-S-I-L-V-E-R earth. And I'm not, you know, very active on social media, but I do have an Instagram, ds.silver, I believe. <laughs> I believe
0: it's like you and Michael gay. I'm like, you, you guys are the two people who I know in the world whose message needs to be shoved on everybody's throats. And it's like three posts. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. think my Instagram handle, it may be DS. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I love it.
1: Yeah, totally. Come, you know, and um, yeah, there, there's a lot on there and a lot of ways cool. to connect with me and, and you know, I think one thing that's also really alive. May I, may I turn back to that a little yeah, bit? Yeah, please, please. Is that is that we we turn towards each other and and, and start to cultivate the handmade life again? Mm. Say, say more about that. What and, and that about? we get to, you know, we we start making things with our hands. I agree. We yes. start we start getting dirty. Yes. Um, we start, you know, finding out where our food comes from and mm-hmm. harvesting our own. Um, or growing our food or or spending time outside and start making stuff. And, um, you know, there's a lot more sovereignty and choice in that. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautifully stated. I think
0: to uh, to answer the original question I asked you of how do we feel safe in the world? It's actually realizing what we can do with our hands. Yeah. And that if Amazon shuts down this weekend, we can still be okay. Exactly. Where there's a gap now between where we are now and that actual that being true, but I think that would shift everything, on yeah. some level. There's there's generation that grows up, grew up, not knowing how to use a map. I don't know if you've right. ever driven cross country, but I did it in my twenties, and there was there was a big piece of paper that I pulled over every couple of miles, and was like, okay, s- still going west. I think this is working, and now totally. I've literally driven. Totally. To you know, 14 hour trip and have no idea where I'm going before I actually sit in the car and hit, tell me what to do. Yeah, And I think that extends out, as you said, especially for food, especially for shelter or making our own crafts. So beautiful. I appreciate you, brother. I appreciate your time. I appreciate the way you live in the world and how you interact and the teaching and the healing that you're bringing. So thank you for joining the podcast. Thank you you for having me on
1: here, bro. Yeah.
0: Thank you. This is Trevor Bohm signing off on another episode of the Uncivilized Podcast. If you enjoyed this, please give us a share, give us a five-star rating on iTunes, and if you're interested in getting a hold of my book, Man Uncivilized, whether you're a man or a woman, please go to www.manuncivilized.com forward slash the book and get reading.